You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. All right, everyone, I'm going to ask you to do me a couple favors to begin. First of all, take a look at your cell phone and make sure that it's on silent for me. Some of you are on call 24-7, and I know that, and God bless you so much for being here. Some of you are on Facebook 24-7, and I'm telling you, you can turn it off just for a little bit. You will be okay. But would you do that for me? And then the next thing I want you to do is I'm, I'm asking you to bow your heads and close your eyes and just take a moment of silence. I feel, especially in America, and I don't know about you, but I feel this morning I'm in a little bit of a rush. And uh, we're not Russian, we're American. So let's take a deep breath. That was a joke, by the way, you can laugh. I want you to take a deep breath. I know that you're distracted by some things. I know that there's a lot going on. And I, I want you to shelf that if you can. Give the Lord an opportunity to speak to you. If you're saved, if you're born again, you understand more than anybody that there are no coincidences with the Lord. He has you here for a purpose. But then let me ask you this. If you were to die today, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? Do you know absolutely for sure that heaven is your home? Do you know that all your sins are forgiven? Or are you struggling with that? Do you doubt that? If I were to ask you, rate rate it 5 out of 5 or 100 out of 100, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? If your answer out of 5 is a 4, a 3, a 2, my question to you is, if throughout the message, if throughout the message you could know for sure that you're going to heaven, would you like to know? And I'm asking you right now, Lord, please speak to me. Please speak to me. All of you ask him that, please. Lord, I know that you are real. I know that you are right. Please speak to me. And if you speak to me, I promise I'll listen. You can look up here now. We're going to stand and we're going to read. We're going to read a large portion of Scripture. So let me tell you, I, please, if you are not able to stand for a long time, I completely understand, and I would like for you to keep seated. But if you are able to stand for just a little while, we're going to read about 40 verses in John chapter 4. I invite you to stand out of honor for God's Word. If you are unable to, I, I, I understand completely. Don't worry about it. John chapter 4. And we're going to begin in verse 3. We're going to read to verse 43. Perhaps you don't know much about this right offhand, but maybe you've heard the story of the woman at the well. And this is the chapter that tells us the story of the woman at the well. And it begins in verse 3 by saying, Jesus left Judea. And departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. The route to, from Judea to Galilee, there were three different routes. There was kind of a plain route, there was a mountainous route, but the straightest route was through Samaria. However, Jews did not take that route. Jews and Samaritans, we're going to read in a little bit, did not get along at all. Samaritans were a descendant of people who were half Jew and half Gentile. 
and they came from the Old Testament, um, the Old Testament uh, exiles, where Jews started intermarrying with the Gentiles, and it led to this kind of half-breed race that had a mix of a mix of culture, a mix of religion, and the Jews, the 100% Jews, did not take kindly to that. And the Jews would rather spend hours going around than going through. And yet Jesus said, I have to go through Samaria. There's no avoiding it. And we're going to see why. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Women do not go in the heat of the day to draw water. They go in the beginning of the day where it's cool, or they go towards the end where the sun is setting. And yet this woman is coming in the heat of the day. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city, into Sychar, to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Very important verse. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Do you notice a little, maybe, sarcasm in her voice? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. She changes her tone now. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. The shortest response that she has given to the Lord this entire time. I have no husband. Uh, Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that thou saidst truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. You know what? Just have a seat. It's going to be a while. Just have a seat. Lord, bless the reading and the preaching of your word and, and move mightily during this time to save souls and change minds. We ask this in your name, amen. I, I don't want you to miss what she's saying and it's gonna take a little while to explain it. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. She's talking about her Samaritan fathers. But ye say, the Jews say, you can only worship in Jerusalem. Now that was Old Testament teaching from Moses and, and, and God himself said in in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, there's going to be one place where I'm going to choose to put my name, and that is where you go for atonement, and that is where you go to worship. Jesus is calling out this woman's sin. And what she's bringing out is, okay, so you know what I've done, and you know my life. And I've wanted to get that right. But your people say... The only place that I can get this right is in Jerusalem. 
and Samaritans aren't allowed there. Do you see what she's bringing out? So right here we have an implication in this woman. We're going to get into it in a little bit. Her attitude is changing throughout all of this. And what is being revealed through Jesus' words is, I know I'm messed up. And I've wanted to get it right, but something's standing in my way. Now, where do we end up? Um, Verse 21, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. There's going to come a time it doesn't matter location. Ye worship, ye know not what. I understand that you worship, and I understand that you worship in this mountain, but you don't, you don't even know what you're doing. And by the way, he didn't just say that to the Samaritans. He told that to the Pharisees as well, who were actually worshiping in the temple. You guys have absolutely no clue what you're doing. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship. He's talking about him and his disciples. For salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. You're teaching a lot of things, and you're speaking with a lot of authority, but I'm only looking for one person who's going to make all this right. Jesus has been on the earth now for a little over 30 years. He's been starting his ministry, and and he has a reputation. But to not one person has he said, I am the Messiah. He's going to tell this woman. This is the first person that he's going to reveal himself to. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. First of all, a man talking to a woman is alone. That was not culture back then. But then a Jew talking to a Samaritan, not culture back then. Yet no man said, what seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? (laughs) Jesus saith unto him, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Then he asked him a question. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And here's what I imagine, Brother John. I imagine there's a field next to him where things are growing, and they're nowhere close to being harvested. And so he he points there and he says, isn't everyone saying right now, about another four months and we'll be able to harvest this wheat, right? And then I can picture him pointing in another direction. And maybe over that hill is an entire city of people following that woman coming to Jesus. Can you not picture this in your imaginations? Don't you say, see this field over here four months and then we're going to start reaping harvest? Look at this. Look at this. The harvest is, is already white, ready to pick. We're going to go ahead and skip to verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. 
So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. And know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of not just the world, or not just the Jews, but the world. I know that was a lot of reading. And as a preacher, they tell, they tell you you have the first 30 seconds to gain people's attention. Would you do me a favor and kind of log all of that Bible reading to the side for a little bit? We are going to come back to it and, get, and just let me start over and, and get your attention in the next 30, 30 seconds. Okay. This is a very frustrating passage for me. It is a wonderful passage, but it's a very frustrating passage. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not because I'm angry at the passage, but it's kind of like a candy store with a kid. Have you ever taken a kid to a candy store, and there's aisles upon aisles upon aisles of sweets and treats and sour and, all, and sugar everywhere, and there's shelves, and they're all stocked, and they're bright colors, and there's sales, and, all that, and then you tell the kid, one. They will literally, they, they will spend a week there. How, how do you, how do you choose just one? Come on, mom, dad, are you broke? You know, what's going on? Can I, can I have, how about this? We're in Texas. It's like taking a man to a gun show. All right, now we're getting some amen. So there you go. And there's tables filled and there's Smith and Wesson over here and there's Glock over here and there's Rock River over there and there's, Ruger somewhere in the back buried, and you know, there's all these different, and you tell the man, one, one, you can have one. And there's Beretta, and there's Brunelli, and, 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 and the issue that I have with this passage is you pass by the AR-15 of verse 4 of Jesus seeking, going out of his way for this one woman. Do you see that? Now do you see why he said, I have to go through Samaria? I'm not going to take the mountainous route. I'm not. We're going straight through Samaria. Why? Because there was one person that he wanted to meet. And as a preacher, that's hard not to preach. L listen to me. You are here for a reason. Especially if you do not know that you're going to heaven when you die. I guarantee you Jesus brought you here for a reason. For a meeting with him. And that, that's like the AR-15 where you, oh, I really want that one. But then you look a little down the road and, and, and there's a, a, like a suppressed Beretta with laser sight. And there's another verse where, um, which one? If you look in verse 23 and 24, and that's the weapon of true worship, what true worship looks like. Worshiping in him in spirit and in truth. That one's hard. Okay, you ladies are getting bored. It's like taking a woman to a department store, taking him to the handbag section, and saying only one. And over, I keep stepping on this mic. And over here, honey, what's a good handbag? What, what? Dooney and what? Dooneyberg. Dooney, what? I, I don't know. I'm so sorry. Huh? A Amazon. <laughs> My wife was married to a broke preacher. We go to Walmart and I say, hon, help yourself. If we're really doing well, we'll go to Target. Okay. Uh, 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 Prada. Is Prada a good one? Is Prada a good bag? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. So you, 
You get what I'm saying. There, there, there's a Prada over there, and there's a, um, um, huh? Gucci. And there's Gucci over there. Why are only the men answering about handbags? <laughs> because my wife won't leave me alone about it. She just walks by and drops, drops ads from, oh, how did that get there? Oh, no. Oh, goodness. And I walk through this passage, and I, I see, how about, how about the verse where Jesus said, if you knew who you were talking to, and if you knew what I had to give, you'd ask, and I would give it. If you knew who it was you were talking to. What about when he says, I have meat to eat that ye know not of? And what that teach me is there's satisfaction that can only be found in obeying God's will. But I only have one. I can only choose one. And I've just given you a taste of so many others. That's why this passage is a little frustrating for me. But I'm, I'm going to use this passage to do one thing. I want you to change your perspective this morning. I want you to change. I want God to change your perspective on that rude neighbor that lives on your street. I want God to change your perspective about that frustrating family member. I want God to change your perspective about that, that blasphemous coworker. You know the one who always gives you trouble about going to church and seems completely opposed to your views? I want God to change your perspective this morning on this messed up world. unless you think the world is just doing great. <laughs> Let me ask you this. If Jesus were to walk in and we were to ask him, Jesus, what words would you use to describe this world right now? What words do you think he would use? End times? Broken? Trouble? Crazy? Divided? I know what words I would use to describe this world. And this, this convicted me. And, and I want you to see what this passage brought out to me, especially at the beginning of this year. But I know what words I would use to describe this world. One of the first ones I would use is guarded. We live in a guarded world. Very divided. Very defensive. To where you can't disagree with somebody. Disagreement means hatred, period. If you disagree with me, you hate me. And vice versa. It didn't used to be that way, you know. It didn't used to be that way. You used to have Republicans living next to Democrats and Democrats living next to independents and all these. And people didn't care. People didn't care. You just kind of got along. Not anymore. You had Baptists living next to Methodists, Methodists living next to Presbyterians. You know, we started this country with the idea of freedom of religion. You can worship how you want to worship. But now it's gotten to the point, if you disagree, we hate each other, we can't speak. And there's a reason why this world is so guarded. The vast majority of the world has been burned. Burned before by somebody who has told them something and then went behind their back and did something completely different. Have you not been burned? 
Have you not been burned? You know why kids are so trustworthy or, or trusting? It's because no one's burned them yet. But they get to a point, and some of these kids that we pick up on the bus, they're, they're 10, 11, 12 years old, and they've already been burned by their dad. They've already been burned by their mom. Verbally abused, sexually abused at the age of 10, 11 years old. They've already been burned by the public school system. They've already been burned by... We've all been burned. And the saying is, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And a lot of people are walking through life like this. That's what I see. People don't trust. People don't trust. We don't trust our news. Now, they deserve that. But we don't trust our news. We don't trust our president. We don't trust our president. We don't trust our news. We don't trust our government. We're very guarded because we're very burned. What else do I see? I wrote something else down. Oh, combative. Combative. We don't just have our dukes up. We're ready to throw. We're ready to throw a punch. In fact, the most, the most, look, look around the world right now. If you look at the new president of Argentina, he's nuts. The, the, the most popular leaders right now are the most combative. Have you noticed that? The most popular leaders, like or lump Trump, the reason he's so popular is because he's so combative. When there was that debate between him and Hillary, and Hillary and her very, um, you know, kind of tactful, whatever, you know, kind of prim and proper way. You know, it's, it's very good that Donald Trump is not in charge of the justice system right now. And he grabs the mic and says, because you'd be in jail. And everyone, and, and I think it was like a CNN crowd. <gasps> the, the more, here, here's how you make it in this world. Here's how you make it in this world. Keep your head in a swivel. Keep a comeback on your mind and keep a chip on your shoulder. Survival of the fittest. That is what this world has become. And yet, and yet, are, 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 am I the only person who's seeing this or do you see it as well? Guarded, defensive, not trusting, combative, and yet I see a very spiritually hungry world. I do. I see people who are, they're interested in spiritual things. If you can talk to a very rude person, but what I notice, especially in Texas and, and even up north, what I notice is if you talk to them about something that is going to bring them spiritual well, well-being, they're interested in it. You can sell people yoga if it brings spiritual peace. And you can sell this religion and that religion and this speaker and this book. If, if it's going to bring you spiritual healing, they're, they're interested in it. But what then I notice, it's so strange. It's like they're on one end of the spectrum where they're very, they're very fleshly and they're very selfish and they're very defensive. But then when it comes to spiritual things, and maybe it's just what's built inside of us, we have this attraction to the spiritual, but... What I also then notice is that attraction is very shallow. It's, it's very superficial. It doesn't go very deep. 
They're attracted to, to the Lord and to spiritual things, but not enough to bring them to church, not enough to have them read their Bible, not enough to have a real spirit. Here, can I put it this way? They worship, but they do not worship in spirit and in truth. Look in America. Do, are we a Christian nation? What we have is we found a bunch of, we have a bunch of people who have found their own way to worship God. And it's a very shallow and superficial, it is not worshiping in spirit and in truth. And there's a reason why. There's a reason why. It's because this world has been messed up by sin. Now, don't get quiet on me just because you're part of that. You, we have all been messed up by sin. And sin separates from God. And he says over and over in Old Testament and New, you cannot worship me while living in sin. So while there is this attraction to God, I also see this disconnection from God that man is trying to bridge through fancy lights and, and music and podcasts and, and all these different things. Listen, I, I, I grew up a, a Baptist brat. This is only the second church I've ever been a part of. I haven't been to a lot of these churches that do the whole, the whole production and everything. I've never been there, so I can't speak to it, but I can speak to what I have heard as a pastor more and more recently, especially from young people. Pastor Johnny, we go to, we go to those churches where it's all worship, worship, worship. That's what they push. Come and worship, worship, worship. And it attracted me in, but there was this, there was this disconnection, this dissatisfaction. It wasn't fulfilling. And that's what I see in this world. And it's because sin has made this world very carnal-minded. And carnal-minded means worldly-minded, temporary-minded. And in order to understand Scripture, in order to pray properly, and in order to worship properly, the Bible says you have to be spiritually-minded. And they that mind the things of the flesh are going to do the things of the flesh, and they that mind the Spirit are going to mind the things of the Spirit. It's completely opposite things. And I see very carnally minded people where even if you talk to them about Jesus, they know his name, but they don't know who he is. And you talk to them about the Bible and they know what it says, but they don't know why it says it. And if they know why it says it, they don't obey it. It's, it's this back and forth, just kind of very confused world. And what I'm trying to bring out to you, if you're following, is that's nothing new. That is nothing new. What words would you use to describe this woman? You know what I see? Guarded. Oh, I hope you're following. I hope you're following. When Jesus, a Jewish man, says, give me to drink, what's her response? Why are you talking to me? Why are you talking to me as a Jew? I am a Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans have no dealings. We disagree with each other. Why are you talking? Guarded, defensive. You know why? Because she'd been burned. She'd been burned. You read in, in uh, a, a little later, she said, hey, I've wanted to get this right, but the religious people say I'm not allowed. Do you see that? So we found our own way to worship. We found our own way to worship. 
I found people who will, oh, oh, and by the way, those same people, my own people, Samaritans, do you see any of them around me? Do you want to know why I'm coming to draw water at noon? It's because she had a reputation. How do you think the women in Sychar looked at that woman who had been with six different men? Do you think those women were, those other women in Sychar were just perfectly fine with their husbands talking to her and being around her? And she was very combative, wasn't she? I think if we were in Jesus' position and we talked to her, can I have a drink? And she said, we don't speak, you and I. We want to, oh, whoa. <laughs> Jesus didn't give up. He said, you know what? If you knew who you were talking to, and if you knew what I had to give you, you would actually be asking me. And I'd give it to you. I don't care that you're a Samaritan. I don't care that I'm a Jew. I'd give it to you. And she comes back and says, oh, are you better than Jacob? Combative. And yet, spiritually hungry? Because at one point she did say, give me this water. Give me this water. That, that, that would be nice. You're talking about this water that will heal me from within? She was spiritually attracted to that, but do you see how shallow it was? It was very shallow. At, at, at first, when Jesus talks to her about that water, she thinks of it... She thinks of it physically, not spiritually. She says, you have nothing to draw with. How are you going to get me water? You have nothing to draw with. He's talking about the spiritual, but she can't see it because she's carnally minded. And then he says, no, 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 no. The, the water that I, I'm not talking about this water. You drink this water, you will thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I give him, it's going to be in you, a well of water springing up unto eternal life. That's what I'm talking about. And she's, she's attracted to it. And she says, give, it, give this to me. And yet she's still carnally minded about it. Her reasoning why she wanted it, so that I thirst no more and I don't have to come back here. I don't want to have to make this journey again. She's attracted, but she's disconnected. Are we seeing? Are we following? And the reason she's disconnected is because sin had messed her up. Do you think that young lady... I don't know when this started for her. People got married very early back then. Do you think that young lady, let's say she was 15, 16 years old and she had first married her first husband. Do you think she went into that marriage thinking, I really look forward to the day where I get married and divorced five times and then live in adultery with another man who's not my husband? Yeah, that's what every young girl grows up wanting. Girls do not grow up playing adultery. They grow up playing wedding. They do not grow up looking at getting married and divorcing their husband. They grow up look, looking forward to getting married and finding a man that's going to care for them and she care for... I don't know what happened. I don't know if he burned her. I don't know if she burned him. But somewhere adultery came in. Somewhere sin came in. And one husband turned to two. And two turned to three. And three turned to four. And four turned to five. And then that one didn't work out. And so she says, enough with this marriage business. But she doesn't want to be alone. And that's what sin does, doesn't it? It takes you further than you want to go. And all the while, she's changing husbands. And she's trying to find love. And she's trying to... You know what she's trying to do at the very core? She's just trying to find something to fill that void. That's all she's trying to do. She's trying to find something, can I put it this way, to quench 
the thirst. And Jesus knew that. And that's why he's saying, I have what you're, if you, if you knew what I had, you'd be asking me. But sin had messed her up, and all the while, her reputation is spreading. Her friends are turning on her. So go to the religious people. No, you're not welcome. What do you see when you see the world? I, what, what I see when I see the world is what I see when I see this woman. And if I were sitting there talking to her, trying to lead her to the Lord... And the first thing she says is, we don't speak. That'd be hard to get over. And then we say, well, look, I'm, I'm just trying to help you. Oh, are, are you, who do you think you are? Do you know who built this well? Are you better than him? And what are you going to draw with, buddy? I would have been, whew. you know what? You know what, woman? You know what, woman? Go back to bed and wake up on the other side. That's what I would have said. Because once again, flesh is guarded, combative, defensive. Jesus is just trying to help this lady, and she keeps giving it back. And even when she shows a little bit of hope, she, she's completely disconnected from it. If I would have talked to that lady, I would have walked away saying, defensive, not interested not interested. She has her own way of worship. She has her own way of living. Oh, and by the way, she's messed up. She's messed up. Not even the Samaritans will hang around her. What hope does she have? Do you know what Jesus saw? I asked you at the beginning, what words would Jesus use to describe this world? And do we not agree we see a lot of similarities between this woman and the world right now? Do you know the word Jesus used? Ready. Ready. I wouldn't have used that word. Oh, and Jesus saw she was guarded. Jesus saw she was combative. He saw that she was defensive. He saw that she was spiritually shallow and superficial. He saw that she was worshiping in her own way, but not in spirit and in truth. But he looked beyond all that, didn't he? He looked beyond all of that, and he saw underneath, he saw within somebody who was ready to be loved. Somebody who was ready to be treated with kindness though she did not deserve it. Somebody, she, he, he saw somebody who was ready to have somebody powerful enough to bring change to her life because she had messed it up. She would have been the first to admit it. And she was so ready. If, if you can change this, that would be fantastic. You don't think I'd want that? You don't think I would like to go back in the past and undo everything wrong that I did? Have, have, have you never woken up one morning and sin had dragged you much further than you ever wanted to be? Not to be crude just for being crude, but the Bible says that sinners are drawn into their sin like a dog returns to its vomit. 
Isaiah puts it this way, our sin like the wind, our iniquities like the wind have carried us away. We are as helpless when sin gets a hold of us as if you were to take a leaf and throw it, throw it into a gusty wind. You have no idea where the wind's coming from. You have no idea where it's going to take you. You are at its mercy. And that's what happened to this woman. And it made her guarded. It made her cold. It made her defensive. It made her combative. But yet she still was hungry, thirsty for something that would change what sin had done. And Jesus told her about it. And he was patient with her. And she believed. She believed and she trusted. Because Jesus knew if, if, if this guarded, defensive, kind of rude, <laughs> cold, uninterested woman just knew what I had to offer. If she just knew who I was, she would change. She would change her tone. He told her that at the very beginning. If you knew who I was and you knew what I had, you would ask me and I would give it to you. But many of these, many of the people in this world don't know. They don't know. And here's why. We talked about what we see in the world and what we see in this woman. And we talked about what Jesus sees in this woman, which is opposite which is opposite. We look at the world and say, what a mess! And Jesus looks at it and says, oh, they're ready. Oh, they are ready. And we'll get into that. Why? We'll get into why he says that. But do you know why so many people in this world are guarded and cold and combative and defensive? I'll tell you why. Because you know what that woman saw? We talked about what we saw. And we talked about what Jesus saw. Do you know what that woman saw? Here's what that woman saw. That woman saw the religious people of her day look at her and say, you are not welcome here. And do you real? One of these days I'm going to do it. I'm telling you, one of these days I'm going to do it. Before I get all the way down there, I'm going to look through my notes and make sure that I remember everything that I'm going to say. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. All right, I'm just going to bring it with me. Here's what the woman saw. Do you realize she came from Sychar? Where did the disciples just go? Same city. Same city, right? But the disciples are Jews. And who are the people in Sychar? Samaritans. And Jews and Samaritans don't talk. They don't talk. That's the rule. We just don't get along. They're disciples of Jesus Christ walking around with the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Messiah has come. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is the one job. But not Samaritans. Not Samaritans. Here's what that woman saw. She saw the religious people say, you are not welcome. I, is it hard to imagine do you see the timing of this passage? Is it hard to imagine that when those 12 disciples were walking into Sychar, they probably passed that woman? And they didn't say a word. 
They didn't say a word. That's what that woman saw. And then they go into Sychar. And you know what they come out with? Food. Food. That's all they cared about. None of them asked when they saw Jesus, why were you talking to her? What happened? All they said is, Master, eat. Can we get out of this place? Master, eat. I have meat to eat that you know not of. Who brought him food? Good, let's go. They completely missed it. Do you know why the world is so cold, so guarded, so defensive, so combative? They're spiritually thirsty and yet still dying of thirst. They're attracted to the Lord and yet disconnected. Do you know why? Because many times they see the spiritual people who have already prejudged them. The spiritual people who will not share. Who will not tell them. Jesus said, if you knew, if you knew. She had just passed 12 preachers who knew, but they didn't tell. You know why? Because they had prejudged. What they saw is, ooh, she looks cold, guarded, not interested. Maybe they did try to talk. Maybe they did say, hi, lady, how are you doing? And she said, Samaritan Jew. And they went, ooh, okay, rude. They might have wanted to come back and say, Jesus, you'll never believe this jerk of a woman that we met. And he would have said, oh, that one? That one who just went into the same city that you went in, and you came out with food, and look at what she's bringing They just went into that city, and, and I, do you think it's too much of a stretch to say that those disciples would have said, ooh, that was a cold city, guarded city, defensive city, didn't want anything to do with what he, we have. Oh, really? Because they're all coming. I want you to change your perspective. What we see as cold and guarded and defensive and not interested Jesus says, if they knew who I was, and if they knew what I had, they'd change. Why don't they know? And I think it's because a lot of us see that rude neighbor, see that, see that cold coworker, see that frustrating family member and think, not interested. But they are, Jesus says, oh, they're ready. They are ready, they're ready for somebody to tell them about somebody who can bring lasting and internal change, an eternal change to them. They are ready. And he says this, they are white already. And here's what that means. If you know anything about harvesting, and I got this from another preacher who had a farmer in his church. And the farmer said, Preacher, I don't know if you know this, but when certain crops are ripe, right before they go bad, they'll get a little white hue to them. Now stick with me, okay? Stick with me. Because we're about to use our logic here. What Jesus is saying is I see a world who is ready to be picked, but they're this close. They are this close to falling and losing all hope. They are teetering 
right on the edge. One strong wind blows through, one animal walks by and knocks them, and they're falling. They're either going to be harvested or they're going to be lost forever. They are white already. They are uh, they're hanging by a thread. Let me ask you, how do you expect people who are hanging by a thread to act? Guarded, defensive, combative, because they know if sin gets one more blow on me, if one more person, if I put my trust in one more person that turns out to be a charlatan, I'm done. So they close themselves down. But I'm telling you, one interaction with Jesus, one interaction with Jesus will change them forever. And it's up to you and me to make that introduction. Because he's not here on this world anymore. He's not sitting at wells anymore. He's not picking up what his disciples have dropped. He said, you go, you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He did not say, you go into all the world and make your decision on who's worthy or not. You go into all the world and you prejudge who you think is a buyer and who you think is uninterested. No, it is our job to introduce them. Because I believe, and you must believe, if they knew who he was and they knew what he had, they would ask. They would ask. And many of them don't ask because they just don't know. And many of them don't know because the church, the church sees them as uninterested. When Jesus says, oh, they are, they are ready. So what I'm challenging you to do is give them an opportunity to reject the Lord. Give them that opportunity. They might. They very well might. Not everybody in that city came. But many of them did. Many of them did. Because an adulterous woman simply said, come and see. Come and see someone who, who changed me. No, 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 no. He hadn't even changed her yet. She was, she was still living with that man. She still had the past. She just said, come and see somebody who knows what I've been through and yet still showed kindness and love to me. Isn't this who we've been looking for? I'm telling you, church, they're ready. Now, maybe some of you, you're just like that woman. You're just like that woman. How many of you, how many of you remember being just like that woman? Cold, guarded, combative, because sin had messed you up and taken you much further than you wanted to go. But somebody introduced you to, to the Lord, and he changed you. Oh, just a, just a woman in Chicago. Just a woman in Chicago who was physically abused by her mom and dad. Just a teenage girl in Chicago who moved out when she was 14, 15 years old because she couldn't deal with home anymore. Guarded, combative, defensive. But somebody told her about a savior 
and she was ready. And now she's sitting in the back, my mom. Just a teenage girl in the middle of Texas, passed around from family to family because none of her real family wanted her. Got involved in drugs, got involved in alcohol. But then somebody came by from the church and said, we have a bus that will pick you up and bring you. And she started coming to church and she met a savior who changed her. She went up to school in Chicago for some reason and met me and married me. Maybe you're just like that woman. You're messed up, you're cold, and you seem uninterested. I'm telling you, if you knew who he was, and if you knew what he had, you would be asking him. You would be asking him, please, please help me. And here's what he promises, I will, I will, I will. So church, change your perspective this year and talk to that person again. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you knew who he was, if you could know who he was, would you like to know who he is? Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.